Good morning, universe. It's only 6.32, so I'm trying to be quiet for my neighbors. No, I'm not. I don't even know my neighbors' names for sure, which sucks. I know it's Heather, but oh, I can't remember if the dude's name is Drew. Might be. Fuck. I don't know. Once I had a piece of mail delivered to my house that had both their names on it. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that's his name. I should have written that fucking down. But not knowing my neighbor's name, I guess, is. Um, how do you get out of that one? How do you get out of someone's name that you forget, but you definitely see them? Anybody got that? Pause. And it's not like that's the only unforgetful thing I've been doing lately. I forgot to include Nashville, New York. Uh, let's see, anybody else worthy? Uh, yeah, Detroit, I think, in a discussion about American flagpoles, geographic flagpoles for the music industry. LA, you, you deserve to be on the list, but you don't deserve to be only on the list. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe Seattle, you quite make the list. Austin, you don't quite make the list. Uh, who else doesn't? Memphis, you don't quite make the list. Uh, yeah, you don't quite make the list. Um, uh, Boston, no. Philly, no. DC, no. Miami, no. Uh, Cleveland, no. Denver, no. Uh, Portland, no. San Francisco, oh, 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 oh. I guess they make the list. Well, you got to have one fucking eclectic guy on there, right? Welcome to the club, San Fran. Love San Fran. Even though you hate when people call you San Fran. Unpause. Okay. Here's my nod of uh, affection toward Northern California. When people have asked me, what's your favorite city in America for the last 30 years, I've probably responded San Francisco as much as anything. And I've responded San Francisco the most by far, except occasionally maybe Seattle. And while I do love Seattle, I love Seattle, um, San Francisco offers slightly more. But San Francisco is the single most ridiculously overpriced city in America. And that includes New York. It just is. So, it's now priced out of my range as a minimum wage uh, spotty gets a job when he feels like it worker. That's uh, one of the things you give up when you decide that going the route of the, the uh, what, the meager, the Meek, the meek will inherit the earth. I just figured if I'm going to look for an inheritance, I'm willing to be meek if the earth is the reward. And it turns out they meant that you'll spend a lot of time walking around on earth because what else are you going to do? You've got no money. Pause. Um, pause. But it's not like I consider myself duped in that regard. Walking around on the earth teaches you a whole lot about things. Gives you a time to reflect. Offers you opportunities to engage in Random occurrences that you never would have had the chance to find in other pathways of life. So, if you're willing to put on your resume that wandering philosopher is what you're up to, I'm not saying it's not fucking rewarding. I'm just saying you're going to do a lot of walking. Pause. Unpause. And of course, if you're lucky enough to be born in the 20th, 21st century area, era, try to be more precise with my words. I want to adopt better habits so that when I adapt to new thoughts in my head, it goes fluidly. We'll get to that more later. Did I have... What the fuck was I talking about? God, sometimes I distract myself and I don't even know why. Pause. Unpause. Right. Wait. Fuck, I just had it. Oh, right. Well, God dang it. Brain. It's not that early. Turn on it's. 6.42 for fuck's sake. Uh, oh, right. Duped. I was not deceived by the idea of inheriting the earth. In fact, 
being a message about how much the earth has to teach you if you're willing to allow earth its proper presence in your life. But if you're a woman and you're thinking you're having babies when you're 33, 35, 37, I would really, really, really encourage you to look into that and see if there's not some science that says that's getting more and more unlikely. And in fact, if you're thinking 33, you're thinking about a time in your life when you have 25% the chance of having babies as when you're in your 20s. I'm not kidding. When you lose the uh, fertility upswing, the slide down happens rapidly and immediately. In other words, you are healthy enough to have babies, a little bit healthier, a little bit healthier, a little bit healthier, a little bit healthier, way not healthier. Way, way not healthier. That's how it works. And there aren't many people telling you that. So I am, because I think it's important. Pause. Unpause. And for all the, let's face it, white people, if you're freezing your eggs and your embryos, that shit isn't as viable as you think. The failure rate among even candidates in the highly successful profile is 50%. So at best, you're maintaining your 30s for an extra four or five years. But to go through all that and still fail leaves women in some of the worst mental frameworks there are because they had it all figured out. There was no plan Z because plan B was already enacted. They had figured out how to back up all the failures and they're still childless. To me, that's almost the most tragic. That's reason enough not to want to be a woman. Pause. Unpause. Just to be clear, because I don't know that that level of system shock undeservedly against all headwinds that you had planned to be prepared to fend off. How does that not just carve the entire inside of you out? Talk about when I'd want to leave this planet right there. Unpause, which is in no way, even remotely, encouraging anyone to think about taking their own life. As someone who has written suicide notes, I want to speak to anybody thinking about killing themselves. And just you. Everyone else can fast forward. I'll take 41 seconds. If there's a point in life where you've created so much misery in other people's lives that you want to exit this world as some sort of honor-driven gesture of redemption. Fuck that. Seriously. The one thing you're most afraid of is truth and exposure, but you don't understand how much giving all of that to the people around you will respond in energy that will take you out of this rut. It's the only thing that will work. You will have to embrace it at some point, or you'll choose to kill yourself, which is a loss. So, other things that I had on my list include red meat cravings. I am craving red meat. I don't know why. Like, I've never, ever, ever even enjoyed eating a steak, except a few rare exceptions where I had filet mignon once wrapped in bacon and topped in some sort of mushroom cream sauce. And another time that I had a Roost Chris filet mignon cooked rare, and it was terrific. But it was almost like eating raw meat. It was very close. So I've enjoyed two steaks in my life, and I've probably had ten. And most of those have been at either weddings or celebrations. And so, and I've only been to Roost Chris once, where I was... I almost threw up in the bathroom, had a horrible experience eating a prime rib, and I was at, uh, what's the other one down there? The Chop House, Denver Chop House, and had a filet mignon cooked medium rare, I think. It was definitely not rare, and had the same experience, but did throw up. And it wasn't just because I was eating red meat, because at the time I was eating meat. And I mean... 
hamburgers. When I say I'm eating meat, I'm eating hamburgers and occasionally ground beef and Mexican food. That's what I mean when I say eating meat or potentially chicken and tuna fish because I still eat tuna fish just in case anybody out there thinks that that left my life. It didn't. I have no problem with us eating uh, resources that replenish in a responsible manner, which I understand includes venison and all sorts of other meat. It just does not include the industrial meat processing system that is American nutrition or whatever you call they what they sell in the grocery stores. Food, that's fair. All right, so red meat cravings. Uh, don't know why. Don't know if I'm going to fulfill one, but oh my goodness, do I keep walking through the meat departments like I'm some sort of voyeur trying to get my porn on. Pause. And pause. Hey, and um, I realized that I've talked a lot about how I think porn is really crippling a lot of the um, the younger generation of men in this country. Not so much women, because women, ching another winning side of your composition is that you don't really care for porn. Not that you don't enjoy watching it and probably get off occasionally just thinking about it, but it's not your thing once it grabs you. It doesn't have the opportunity to grab you. You might succumb to it willingly, but it can't just take you over, which it will guarantee due to every dude. So here, dude, zzz, I'm speaking to you. If you truly are mired in a world of uh, digital girlfriends, then number one, know that it's a problem. And I think you know it's a problem. If you're jerking off in front of your computer screen all the time, there's a part of you building some self-loathing. I want you to tap into that part <clears throat> and think, hey, hey, little part, I might have to live with you, but I don't have to live with you fucking taking over my goddamn afternoon every goddamn weekend. So, instead of that happening, when the weekend jerk-off session comes, I'm going to force myself to get in the shower and jerk off old school. Quit looking at the screen. That's all I'm saying. Instead of jerking off with fembot number 74, go into the goddamn shower and have a fantasy about somebody you know, somebody you might know, somebody you'd like to know, somebody other than a visual representation on your screen. Start retraining your sex brain instead of letting it be taken over by a bunch of ones and zeros. Pause. And that... Um, pause was our solutions oriented moment of the recording everything from here forward well it might be a solution but it probably won't be pause on pause yeah leaving nashville specifically off the list feels dirty but i do not like country music what can i say you know fuck man and Feels awfully culty for those of you that do. And, okay, I haven't said happy 16 days after your 59th birthday to my guardian angel today. And I owe her that. But I also owe her this. Country music? Seriously? I mean, that alone could have been enough. Pause. Um, pause. All right. I'm not one to throw shade on even my guardian angel's squirrely behavior, but I am one to, and my guardian angel, well, I have two, so that gets confusing, especially because one only lives in comic book form, and the other one committed suicide, so if you have different guardian angels, then hooray for you, but my experience with guardian angels are you don't want a lot of them. And if you have two, it's because you got some shit to fix. So, if you would like an entire diatribe on Guardian Angels, go look in the back. I've recorded a lot of conversation about them before, so no need to re be redundant with all that now. Or repetitive. That's not really redundant. That's repetitive. So, or uh, could that be gratuitous? No, no. Right. <laughs> Loosely, I guess. Okay. No more grammar lessons today. We won't be... T 
<laughs> no. But we will talk about me fucking up the goddamn vocabulary again. Here's one of the problems about especially trying to catch up to the thoughts I'm having in my head as they're ping-ponging around in there. Because I don't want to lose where the escalation is taking me, but I also don't want to not finish the thought I'm currently having as I explain it. And oftentimes that next trajectory vanishes before I can spit out and get to it. So I'm constantly feeling in this format that I'm racing against myself in my own head to get it out in a coherent manner that doesn't lose track of where it's going. Unfortunately, it loses track of where it's going all the time. I'm, it's a battle of me versus my own uh, warp drive speed. And if I can keep it at warp two or lower, I can usually not just move forward with intent, but then change direction with even greater purpose into hopefully delivering something that sends a thought through your head to consider something newly yourself. But those moments maybe occur, if I'm being fair, every four or five recordings when I listen back. But seminal moments I have felt, at least personally. So I do think if I were to start something new, as opposed to this just verbal diary, it would have to include reviewing all 400 and whatever. I assume it'll be 400 and something episodes. Uh, when I would, uh, that mean I'm going to quit before 10? No. Okay, so let's say I can't imagine keeping doing this publicly for more than another year or two. So the most I could see myself getting to is a thousand episodes. If I were to hit a thousand and one episodes, I'd have to wonder what the fuck I'm doing here because I never had a purpose of doing this for the rest of my life. And yet the fact that there's some connection being built, purposeful connection, in fact, through this medium feels like if I were to just click, lock it up and never refer or attend to a similar uh, project again, that now I would lose something, which I guess I hadn't thought about that this might develop meaning and therefore become something that was a staple I'd want to maintain. <sighs> but that's kind of where I'm at. And so I start envisioning, well, <sighs> how much talking to myself can I actually do? I start thinking about what this stage two or whatever you want to call it now, maybe stage three of this process was supposed to be in the first place, which was random interviews with people, with volunteers willing to have conversation with me in an attempt to better understand the universe. Literally hanging a sign out that says, looking to understand the universe better through conversation with random strangers. Are you willing? And see who sits down and record the results. Which, I mean, come on, I'm fucking still really into. I think that'd be, I think that would be illuminating on so many levels that the idea of giving that up, I will not. That may not be what the next recording project should be, but it might be what should be the finish to this one. So the next thing I would like to be a little more deliberate with trying to highlight some of our I guess mass delusions is as strong a concept for it as possible. But take, say, 10 points of information about how the media gives you one thing to think and then destroys all other opportunities for you to rethink that thought. That would be worth being a little more organized and specific with. If I tried to do that right now, well, I'd probably end up talking about goldfish somehow. Buzz. But I do believe, I'm paused, that I was going to admit to some of the mistakes I've been making. I listened to that last episode, and I was a little tongue-in-cheek pointedly going for my gram grammar errors and word mistakes, since I said in that episode, well, we'll get to that part. But if you speak at the pace I do, one thing you will find yourself doing, even while you're talking, 
is realizing that you said the word adopt when you meant the word adapt. And I, I don't know why this one happens. Because this one happens as frequently as anything because I realize it's happening as I say adopt, I meant adapt. But it's it's like if I if I correct myself, I'll forget the next the conclusion to my thought. So I have to conclude my thought. By the time I conclude my thought, I've forgotten that I said adapt or adopt instead of adapt. But <laughs> these errors, I think, are just literal brain misfires. But it's weird that it happens on very similar words. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if I referred to Iraq when I meant Iran at all. I would expect myself, in fact, since I brought up how close those words are, to now potentially have that mistake almost preloaded, ready to go. And as you speak over and over and over and over and over again to yourself, you do find yourself repeating mistake variables. Like this one is one of the few that you do it consciously. And once in a while, I do correct myself. I even found myself correcting myself recently about a word misuse. But I make mistakes speaking all the time. And I wasn't very clear about saying what language is good for, but what I was implying instead of directly saying it is I don't care about all the other stuff. I don't care if you misspell every word you write. I don't care if you uh, uh, can't properly organize a structure per the English grammatical rules, but can convey your thoughts. That's what language is for, conveying your thoughts. And I said, at some point that language was about knowing real-time instant information of necessity, which, you know, fire! It does help rather than running in and trying to pantomime what fire is. So, I, I, I just was saying that if language is believed to be all-encompassing and capable of everything we can communicate, I think that's an overreach because... Language provably has fallibility. Pause. And not just the human participation. Oh my god, dang. Hiccuping. Hiccuping? When was I? What did you do to stop hiccups again? A handstand? Hang on, pause. Unpause. In other words, I might come off as a, a language snob, but language snob? Someone who has snobbish feelings toward language usage? I absolutely don't. In fact, I have one thing about Palin that I actually like. And that was when she said, language is always evolving. She's right. And I am as impressed with the creativity of language use and humans' variation therein as anything else on this planet. So, as long as your ideas can be communicated clearly, then who cares about the rest of it? That's what language is here for. That's its purpose. If it's delivering its purpose, I see no reason to muddle. Right? Right spelling Nazi? Right grammar Nazi? Pause. Unpause. Which, dun dun dun, dun coincidentally, not ironically, coincidentally, knocks the next one off my list. Creativity is missing. Well, no, I just said creativity shows up in the use of our language. But creativity has found a new challenge. And that is to empower those fearful of speaking and showing their truth creatively. Because the systems that be do not want to hear your truth anymore. And will come down upon thee with prejudice. Should you display your truth in a narrative too contrary to the one that must be maintained so our truth can somewhat stabilize society? Your truth threatens society, which is why legally we have declared your truth terrorist activity. Any revealed truths that threaten to destabilize the current power structure of our government 
are now terrorist activity and can be enough evidence to treat you as a terrorist yourself, expressing your First Amendment free speech rights in this country are now potentially capable of labeling you forever and by legal standards a terrorist. On the list of things that make it hard to speak the truth in America, we have to include that one. Pause. And pause. And frankly, I think there's no place where this is more self-evident than on the open mic night comedy scene where stand-ups for the first 20 years of this century have continually found it more and more threatening to be funny because people can't take a joke anymore. So when I think of creativity taking a vacation, no, creativity will never take a vacation. But the forces against it well, they're unique. They've never been like this in my lifetime previously. So perhaps cyclically, this is the 80-year cycle of creativity lull. But we're, we're in need of the individual expression that comes through creativity. I'm not saying that alone can save America, but it would be a turn to the upswing. Pause. Unpause. Okay, I don't think we've covered all the mistakes. We're not even going to get close to it because I can't even go back and re-listen to that and get all the mistakes logged. That's just too much work. And I'm not telling you to go do that work. That would be insane. So nobody's going to do that, right? Don't go do that. Um, and yet, oh man, I said no more grammar too, right? All right, how do you make grammar fun? You can't. That's impossible. How do you make grammar interesting? Okay. By talking about how you were poorly using grammatical references, even with the intent of trying to be clear about grammar. Is this grammar? It's word choice. Yeah. What is, is word choice, is vocabulary its own category or does it live in the umbrella that is grammar? I wonder. Seriously, I wonder. I don't know. But for now, we're talking vocabulary. Because, yes, last recording, whatever, maybe two ago, I don't really know. I was speaking on <clears throat> evoke and provoke. I even made up a word that already exists, invoke, for the nuanced feelings that might be somewhere between evoke and provoke. Hilarious that that word exists, invoke, fucking idiot. But if you prefer to use movoke, well, <laughs> I'd wonder, what's wrong with you? What you doing? Say invoke. And what's Fascinating about these three words is how much I believe I potentially could misuse any of them for any of the others at any time. Because there is enormous overlap in their Venn diagrams. So the points of separation are nuanced, to say the least. But the easiest one to understand isn't nuanced, is provoke. Because we've all had the experience of being provoked. It's not the, nearly what we think of when we think of evoking something. Provoking doesn't necessarily always have to be with negative intent. And that's one of its misuses. Is it seems like something that you're trying to get an anger or reaction of, of um, violence. Almost. doesn't have to be violent. But emotional anger is what being provoked most commonly generates. And everyone, I think, can relate to that feeling of being provoked by something, even something not another human being. You can be provoked by all sorts of triggers in the universe. Um, and in a lot of ways, being provoked is about you, not about what you're experiencing. Usually, you are looking to set off and just want somebody to trigger enough combustibility that you can justify setting off. Uh, would this be Bert James Baker's problem? Was he looking to be provoked? Huh, I would say yes. That bullet waiting to be loaded into a gun is a metaphor for being provocable. And <clears throat> that one 
thrown over into the corner where it gets used as uh, an assertion to trigger someone into action that is of a rousable kind. I don't know if rousable is a word, but what I meant by that is like, get up out of your chair, fucking do something about it. And in that way, provoke is the correct usage when, say, the intent is to awaken someone from a slumber, a mental slumber they are currently suffering. You would want to provoke them into a framework of mind or action that is a new reality, something more uh, relatable. So you might provoke someone into action as a method of helping them out of a slumber or state of trance. So do I have a provocative nature? I would have to say yes, according to that definition. Because if you aren't waking up now, well then, yeah, I'm going to go find a stick, uh, one with a pointy end that's about four feet long, and I'm just going to start poking you. And you're going to say, what the fuck are you doing, dude? And I'm going to say, what the fuck are you doing? And then we're going to have that conversation. Pause. Oh, pause. Now, evoke and invoke, frankly, might be words you confuse for the rest of your life. Because they're confusing. And there is a lot more to evoke in life than there is invoke. In fact, if you want to think about invoke being where you get religious spiritual shit going on, then that's probably as good a place to plant that and then let every other emotional response be evoke. Because you you, you invoke more like in procedural um, necessity. Uh, a program that uh, by design calls out to the CIA with your location data gets invoked by your phone moving it doesn't necessarily get provoked nor does it necessarily evoke that action so that would be the other way to think of invoking things like it's the paperwork of grammar Vocabulary, 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 vocabulary. I can't even remember what category we're in. It's the paperwork side, the triplicate, the, the uh, what was that form? Have you done your TP reports? That you're invoking, in, invoke has the least emotion tied to it as well. And the most spirituality tied to it. Because it is the process whereby you invoke the, the spirit of God. Um. Uh, uh, again, I'm telling you, this one is worth deeper analysis on your own to truly define what you think the nuance is yourself. Because everything else is pretty much evoke. And so I think when I said that instead of resonate, I should have said evoke, I actually got lucky to choose the right word. Because it wasn't invoke that I meant, and it certainly wasn't provoke. Not yet. Maybe maybe soon. Maybe there, that email is being polished, but... My point is, everything that is evoking something is creating emotional resonance. But it, it is doing so in a way that it is recalling an emotional resonance state. You can't evoke something new in somebody. Then I think you would actually be invoking happiness in a baby for the very first time, for instance. Which would be on what? Minute number four. No, they're probably pretty unhappy for a day or two, but then they get kind of giggly. I hope. I don't know. I never had kids, so I don't know. But for those of you who had kids, the idea of evoking emotion, I'm sure, becomes almost a wellspring from which both all the greatness and, and burden of your day can spring. Because you never know what trigger is going to recall an emotional state in anybody's current day or processes. Evoking states of existence is in many ways what the human experience is all about. So, I'll finish with this thought. This is a pretty good breakdown of how these words are organized. Uh, let's say, daily prayer evoked spiritual connections to God that invoked new feelings in my head 
that if I tried to speak to my family members about, provoke them to claiming I was making it all up. Having been an atheist all my life, I can't say the reaction was something I didn't understand. But it evoked in me a sense of loss for what my family's potential could have been. Pause. Unpause. Now what it evoked in me, well, get back to me in 200 years and I'll let you know. Pause. Unpause. All right, in the spirit of getting to something before I forget about it, because it's not on my list, but it's important because it won't be of valid informational interest even, uh, let's see, nine hours from now? No, that'll be exactly at kickoff time. So, are you ready for some football? Kansas City versus San Francisco. <sighs> yeah, I'm ready for some football. I should choose San Francisco because in every fucking way, I favor San Francisco over Kansas City, except, and because I'm now vegetarian, this is becoming less and less of a variable, so Kansas City, again, the best, one of the top five meals of my life was a pulled pork sandwich in Kansas City. It was phenomenal. I can salivate about it right now. So, Kansas City has that going for them. But the absolute best meal I ever had in a restaurant, I had in San Francisco, Actually, the two best meals I've ever had in a restaurant. Oh, those grits in Savannah were phenomenal. I don't know. Well, two of the top five restaurant meals of all time are in San Francisco. But the number one might be in Kansas City. Or Savannah. Um, or Seattle. Oh, okay. So... That is a gray enough area that it, we haven't settled the argument yet. So, settle the argument for the game day. Okay, if you're wagering on the game, you, you bet Kansas City to win. Clearly. Obviously. And here's why. Because American media conglomerate absolutely wants to have the moment after the game to cut to Taylor Swift and ask her, have you ever been happier? They just want that moment. So, Kansas City's going to win the game. It's just a question of do they win it in a runaway? In other words, that the fix is so in that they win by 30? Or is the narrative controllable enough with these two teams balanced that they can keep us somewhat interested all the way to the end and Kansas City wins by four or three or whatever? So it, either either outcome is possible. But Kansas City is going to win the game. Now, if you're just going over to a friend's house and you're wearing your, what, McCaffrey jersey? Not the Broncos version, the real McCaffrey, the one that's playing today. Well, between he and Shanahan, the world's all filled with all kinds of magic. But it's going to take a lot of magic. And it's, it, would be a, it would be the helmet catch all over again. That's how unlikely San Francisco is in this game. The fact that the Giants beat the Patriots that day is magic evolved in its truest form. Tom Brady needed that day to happen. So the rest of us got to witness it and all the joy it brought us. I'm not saying we're in the same sort of category here, but San Francisco 49ers need the same sort of intervention to win. So that's my thought. And I wanted to get it out before I forgot. Bye. Pause. Not bye. We're getting right back on this. But I am taking a break to go. What am I going to do? I'm going to go get some yogurt. Pause. Mmm. I love yogurt. Yogurt. Unpause. Wait. What's the... Is it a basso? What's the low voice? What's the low voice? I don't know. I wonder what voice I have. I've never known that. I don't know shit about singing. As I have demonstrated repeatedly, redundantly, uh, without any sense of, uh, of self, um, hmm, image, but what, when, when I sing and I know I'm bad and tone inappropriate and off key and using the wrong notes, in other words, making every mistake potentially available to a singer in the attempt to sing, well, it's like language, man. 
sometimes you just got to express yourself in a way that is new and inventive. And for me, it's not like you can see me dancing. So singing's all I got. Pause. Unpause. I, I agree. I could keep the singing to myself. But if a note is released into the universe and no one is there to resonate with its presence, does it even matter? I don't know. But since singing is an expression of joy, well, it'll be a good point to refer back to when we get to the joy versus happiness point that's further down the list. For now, let's live with this point. What slowed me down was my fear of bordering on boorish and thuggish behavior. In fact, my meter was going off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this topic deserves a bong hit. Pause. Unpause. And, hmm, I am never comfortable speaking to women about issues regarding women's actions, reactions, their behavior. I, I've never found grouping anything to be productive. And I think there's some flaw in not at least recognizing that speaking to the groups that are the separate genders is legitimate subject matter in which to analyze, <laughs> in which to provide analysis for greater trends society is suffering. So I have been speaking in those realms a little bit more frequently and it, it at best feels clumsy. It will always feel at best clumsy because I'm bringing to it a, a completely other framework in which to speak about a framework I have no direct knowledge. How can that not be inappropriate? But it's not necessarily always inappropriate because just as you suffer from that thrust of energy your direction, I expect the same clumsiness from you coming my direction. This is part of the exchange necessary to, again, rebalance and tranquilize that centeredness, yin-yang relationship in which we thrive. And part of why everything is my fault is for fearing to offend thee. I won't speak to thee in general about thee because you may be the one exception to what I'm about to say generally has been my experience. So when I say if you aren't having babies because you're waiting to do that IVF treatment with your embryos frozen at 35, well, you've spoken to a lot of people who want to encourage you that that's going to work. And I want to encourage you that that's going to work. In fact, I think it's best chance to work is for you to believe that it will work, that you are the vessel whereby it's destined to be fulfilled, that you believe that so much that you may swing that coin to flip heads for you. I believe you have that power. I believe you are given every opportunity to overlook that power through today's modern medicine. So I would highly encourage you, if you're still under 30, that you scrap that whole embryo IVF plan entirely and start having babies right now. If you want a family, today's the day. If you don't have the right mate, then find him and go have babies. And if the sperm bank's the right bank, go have the sperm bank donate your man. If I were a woman, I almost guarantee that's how I'd be planning a family, is sans man. Hello, France. I mean, bonjour, Francais. Pause. On pause. Hey, now there would be a good way to pay homage to a nation like Iran other than just saying salam, Iran. I think you are the greatest civilization of all time. Because now that we know that I think that about Iran, if I were to say that about, say, the Ethiopians, uh, it'd sound a little two-faced. I could say, hello, I mean, salam, Iran. I believe you are the greatest civilization to ever occur in the ancient history of mankind on the Asian peninsula for certain. And then, if I knew how to say hello in Ethiopian, I would say, hello in Ethiopian. I believe you are the greatest undiscovered historical 
civilization of all time. And that if we could bring some shovels and dig down into that earth that we call Ethiopia, well, we would uncork some truths that would, what, reset civilization? Is that That's not even strong enough, really. So, learning how to say pause and unpause in varieties of languages around the world? Well, I certainly use that a lot more than salam. Hey, I ran. I ran so far away. Okay. I'll stop singing. Pause. Unpause. So, speaking to women about women and the processes women experience and go through isn't mansplaining, then what is, right? And so, in addition to clumsy, there's a whole slide of downhill trajectory in that enterprise that can lead, eventually, I suppose, to violence. But having no inclination toward violence, what I do sense myself, even conversationally, is feeling boorish. Just, I don't know. Like, there is a reality that if a man and a woman are in a room and only one of them can survive a fight to the death, every single one of us is going to bet on the man. And that's just reality. That doesn't in any way mean that because something exists that's possible, that it has to be explored for its viability in activity that's executed. Nope puns intended. It's just part of manifesting in 8675309 Earth that the variance of task breakdown to survive in the best composed option to move forward includes a physically more adaptable version and a baby-making version. They shouldn't be the same versions. But both versions have to occur if it's going to work. So, why we decided to tell women to become men and that this would bring them all the joy that had been lacking in their lives as barefoot and pregnant, roast beef-serving Waitresses, slaves, household CEOs, the unappreciated side of turning women into men is that women had no thought, no regret. Well, I can't speak for women. (laughs) Fuck, man, stop. It was... Very easy for women to be spoken to in a way that never valued how much the home, their true place of authority, mattered in societal um, cohesion. The influence that a woman had in her ability to shape the household in the image she most demanded of her existence. In this house, mom's rules rule. At least that's how it was in most of my friends' houses when I was a kid. We knew that if mom came in the room, whatever she was about to say needed to be heard and paid attention to and responded to. Dad, maybe not so much. (laughs) But mom fucking kept this place organized and humming along as the machinery it was meant to be. Until we sent her off into the workplace to show she could be better at corporate law than her husband. Which isn't that big a surprise. He's out in the garage still drumming away with those rock band dreams. So, you know, dad's dad. But mom was mom. And now, that mom's gone. Pause. Unpause. And okay, this is why it's fucking clumsy. I'm not saying that that was right. 
or that that was the way women felt most fulfilled or empowered. I just know what my, my generation of childhood house to house play and the mothers I encountered versus the mothers I now see in the grocery stores and the random public spaces of life are different and not worse, not better, different. Loving your children and loving your mother will never go out of style. But evolve they do. And evolve in my lifetime they have greatly. And I don't know if it's for the better or for the worse. I just know it's different. Pause. I'm pause. So I'm attempting to now withdraw from all that topic matter on which I should not even really be speaking unless I overdo myself into the boorish and thuggish sort of conversational overtone men can, by default, somehow find appropriate when speaking of women and how they make it through life. Avoiding all of those traps, I am trying. But at some point, I also said women's success stories are running rampant. Uh, That isn't a very appropriate uh, measure of the gallop that women found comfortable when the shackles placed upon them had been released has invoked, oh, yeah, success after success after success among them. And thus, hearing another story of a woman making a difference in this world, they aren't running rampant. There are just hundreds thousands, millions of them from which to choose to show how effective a woman when chasing goals that matter to her always seems to become. If a woman wants to see something happen, how often does it not happen? I'm just curious. Women in general, that's a question on which I have no words to say anything, but I am very curious Pause. Unpause. All right. If I sound a little daunted, it's because we're about one third down the list. The next one. Why is the fluid family a better model? Because it's based on love. My intuition says, I don't know. That's a lot, lot to discuss. Maybe we should table that one and get back to it. So then the next one, why would we look back when we can look forward? (laughs) Uh, Well, that's not going to speed things up. You don't want to see that grammar report? Okay, that one's quick. Again, I I am not a grammar or spelling Nazi, nor am I a word snob. But I am a particular fan, personally, of precision with language. The idea that we have mm, three almost identical words that mean, essentially, to call forth... Well, but they're not identical. They all exist for their own little tiny ticky-tack reason. And so because provoke, invoke, and evoke are so easy to just throw into a stew of muddledness and pull forth one or the other, or maybe even the third one I keep forgetting, invoke, at different conversational points and never be corrected the rest of my life because... I'm speaking to people who mismuddle these words too. Okay, fuck man, language is language. It is here to communicate what we're thinking as much as possible with another person in the immediacy that we lost when we no longer could teleconnect. So, when I speak with precision, it's an attempt to say, I'm hiding nothing from you. And I want to be as open and as available to be interpreted by you correctly as I can. And though clumsy it is, language is the tool we have in this current incarnation to make that happen. So I felt it incumbent upon me from an early age through reading books and having to learn what words meant that precision of language was going to matter to me. And it has mattered to me since... My father called me out on not understanding what the word passe meant. Thanks, Dad. Teachable moment, maybe, but come on. Did you have to be that harsh? Pause. Okay. Does anyone have Kleenex? I've been thinking about... Okay, I'm not crying. I could be. 
But victimhood is a decision. You're only a victim if you allow yourself to be one. And my dad is a grammar and spelling Nazi. I lived with one. I would actually say I lived with three. But I never became one. I'm better than that. Unpause. And that was a short one. You see what I'm saying? So, being that it's Super Bowl Sunday, I say, I have one more thing I have to correct, for sure. Damn it. And what was the part with Kubrick and the moon movie? Uh, yeah, I don't like to walk down that Kubrick conspiracy shit all that often. But if they did fake the moon landing, and at this point, I believe Google's AI proving it is fairly sufficient enough for me to say, I'm out. I don't think we went to the moon the way we said we did. I don't even know if we've been there, but we certainly didn't go up there in rockets built by people who came over here from Germany. That said, that's about all I wanted to say about Kubrick. Why they killed him for faking their moon landing footage and then trying to reveal it to the public? Are you asking me that, CIA? Oh, hello, Mossad. I didn't know you were listening. You know what, Mossad? I hate to say this. And to be clear, MI6 and anybody else listening, like the Canadian Mounties, this was a dream. We aren't speaking on any level of current 3D8675309 Earth reality. I do not assassinate, nor do I encourage any level of retribution to that point. But I can't deny having a an incredibly vivid dream last night about Benjamin Netanyahu getting assassinated and having been uh, in a plot of deviant counterattack against his own country. That was the tenor of the dream. And what was odd is that somehow I knew the assassins. Not that I was part of the plot at all, but when they showed the people who they were chasing down for this supposed crime that I'm saying I dreamt about because supposed is how you talk about things you dreamt about that are never real. This isn't some sort of conversation that other than triggering the keyword, you must listen to this part, junior assassin, Mossad agent that you are. Well, I recognize the people on screen. Now, they were just four random faces, but you know how it is in Dreamland. You're like, I know those guys. And then my dream ended. <laughs> so if it goes any further, Mossad, I'll keep you posted. But so far, and I'm sure there are plenty of threats unveiling themselves as Netanyahu's actions become less and less understandable, even in your country. But when I have these kinds of dreams, I can't help but think... Uh-oh. Uh-oh, spaghetti No, I can't help but thinking that part. Unless I'm high, then I think about spaghetti Unpause. Man, would I have loved to end the episode with, then I think about spaghetti But I would not have covered the concept I falsely adhered to about only being able to trust that which I can tangibly grasp in reality right here. Uh, yeah, when it comes to, say, science, I'm going to go do the experiments you say prove this and that. And if it does, then I feel confident that we have shared an experience that I have learned and grown and gained knowledge that is viable. But there are conduits of viability that I had left out of my analysis, That one of which is absolute and cannot be overlooked in fact is more trustworthy than even the process of re uh re engaging experimental uh phenomena to arrive at data that is identical to experimental phenomena already invoking said sweet said scientific methods and that is people you know you can trust. That is the greatest element of information gathering that right now you can lean into. 
and determine these people you must for they are not surface dweller uh, presence but they're out there and so in no particular order these people have all earned my trust um fuck I can't read that one because I crowded it in right at the front what does that say oh it says Kelly Brogan yep I can see why I crowded her in at the front but she's made the list Lee Fong Max Blumenthal uh Laura Logan Lara Logan Lara Logan I'm sorry Lara Logan um, Glenn Greenwald, um, uh, Weinstein, Brett, not Eric. Um, oh yeah, Matt Lohmeyer, L O H M A I R E R or E R. There might be an extra R in the way I just wrote that. Matt Lohmeyer, L O H M A I. E-R, I think, or R-E-R. You can't miss him. And his story? Well, I'll leave you to interpret it for yourself. Kim Iverson? All right. Kim's not the brightest bulb in the box, but Kim cares more than almost anyone. Kim is my very definition of the type of citizen cohort I want on every journey I'm on. I believe in Kim's passion for a better world as much as anything. And she sometimes has a follow-up question or two that I'm shocked she decided to ask. But Kim's Kim. Um, Jeremy Reese, that's R-Y-S. Completely worth finding out who he is because you don't know. And he is a voice for the 21st century with clarity and precision. I respect Jeremy Reese as much as I respect anybody on the universal plane that I coexist with currently. And I would put this guy, Jimmy Corsetti, on the same list. I would put Naomi Wolf, Dr. Naomi Wolf, in the Kim Iverson clutter, but she's got more intellectual prowess in her repertoire of conversation than Kim does. Matt Taibbi, Whitney Webb, they are... Uniquely different, but equally valuable. Um, Schellenberger, same. Same voice. Chris Hedges, uh, a critical voice, but a, a unique voice. He's not a Taibbi. Uh, Russell Brand, yep. I trust him implicitly, just like I do Randall Carlson. If they say something, I know it's true. How many people can you say that about? Well, here are two for whom I could not have said that until I got rid of my own bias, which was thick and completely undeserved. So I apologize, Tucker Carlson. You turn out to be a lot like me. And I didn't know that for most of my life. But I do now. And I've known it for about a year. And in that time, you have earned my respect. I do believe that you are a process of evolving into truths of proportion yourself, similar to a journey I feel I'm on, and to see your take on it and interpretation of the experience has provided great resonant value for me. So, underestimating and misassigning you characteristics that I was told to assigned to you is, again, one of the easiest ways to remember that in this universe, thinking what you think is often just because you've been told to think it. If all I ever want to remember is how that feeling resonates, I just think of you. Because Mr. Tucker Carlson, you, uh, I will follow for the rest of my life. And James O'Keefe, well, if you hadn't been introduced in a pimp outfit, I might have been able to see your value initially. But my triggers all swung into bias against you to reject you offhandedly until you made the, the, the Pfizer video or whoever the executive is that goes ballistic in the restaurant as he reveals truths to you. Sir, 
that got my attention and at that point demanded reevaluation to find out the level of integrity that you live with. As a journalist, you're a voice I would be more than tragically dismayed to see suffer an outcome like, say, Dolores. Uh, why can I not think of her last name? The woman who got killed for knowing about Kennedy. It's not canon. Uh, anyway, James, there are very few people with the metal of constitution necessary to stand up to the level of revelation in truth you are willing to provoke. But keep provoking, Mr. S Mr. O'Keefe. We need your voice desperately. So, applaud you from afar, I do. And evolve into that point of view I've had to. So, apologize to you for misunderstanding who you were right off the bat. For that, I am... Uh, I will always feel that my first intuition about people is trustable. But... People like you prove <clears throat> sometimes I'm full of myself in ways that is just ridiculous. Spaghettios. <laughs>